We are here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal, in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hiya. And I'm Matt, so let's chat. Alrighty, so if you've tuned into our last couple episodes, you'll know that we have spent the last about four hours um, looking through every single movie in Adam Sandler's uh, filmography and deciding if it's Goodler, Badler, Midler, Greatler, or Shitler. Today, we're taking a little bit more of a deep dive into his filmography. We're looking at some of his strengths and weaknesses as a performer, some of the film roles he's almost had, maybe reflecting on his career, and then ranking a few things such as his most annoying voices, his most iconic haircuts, and his best and worst films. So, Greg, just to start us off, what do you think some of Adam Sandler's strengths and weaknesses are as a performer? Funny enough, I think one of his biggest strengths is his ability to look weak sometimes, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. I feel like a lot of actors are like, you know, they want to look strong. Nobody wants to look weak and whatnot, but I think he has the ability and the the vulnerability to say, you know what, like, make me a weak person, make me, you know, the loser in something, you know, he doesn't always need to play the hero. Yeah. And we just got off of uncut gems and that's interesting because by all means, he's like a technically successful, well-off guy in that movie, but he's so pathetic and weak. Oh yeah. And I think that's, he plays that up really well. He absolutely does. He's not playing it as like this guy who you're like, oh yeah, no, he's um, you, you like you don't think about him being well off. That kind of seems like something that's in the background. It seems like something like an afterthought almost mm-hmm. that you're like, oh shit, yeah, this guy has like a really nice house and he's got a nice car and nice clothes. Like you just you see him and you're like what a fucking loser like this guy is such a he, he his his greatest weapon in that movie is his mouth because that's all he does is he talks True. himself out of situations and that's also his biggest weakness is that he talks himself into shitty situations as well um you don't really see him though as like this you know calm cool collected guy who never yeah i feel like most people who are well off would probably be calm cool and collected cuz they know hey the best thing sometimes is to shut the fuck up. He doesn't know that. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think maybe that's a side effect, at least in that film and in his good performances of him being really good at coming across as anxious. Like it's this anxious thing where he can't shut up in uncut gems. Like he, he has to keep talking and try and rein in the situation, but he just makes it worse. And yeah, so I think that's absolutely. another one of his strengths is that like, the anxiety of him because you see that in a few of his other more serious movies Mm-hmm. yeah they definitely use that in like punch drunk love i feel like they use it a little bit in the myrowitz stories mm-hmm. um at least the fact of him being kind of a kind of a loser like they kind of they make him kind of a um not the most like successful person definitely in that movie ben stiller is definitely the more successful brother yeah and he's the good son he's the good son and then adam sandler is kind of the 
hey dad like how's it how's it going you know like yeah let me let me clean it up for you How, oh what what was that you need me i'll get groceries yeah no worries uh yeah a bit of a pushover yeah, maybe a bit of a pushover yeah for sure um and then we see him throughout the movie kind of find his footing and then towards the end he kind of stands up to his father which i think is a i think makes that scene at the very end a lot more powerful is the fact that he spends most of the movie being a pushover and letting people kind of push him around and as the movie goes on it seems like he kind of he kind of grabs you know the bull by the horns and takes control of what's going on in his life yeah you make an interesting point there because i think it's a similar arc in punch drunk love Mm -hmm. but i think he actually plays i think he plays the strength better in meyerowitz stories because i i still don't fully buy that he's he's strong in punch drunk love at the end yeah i i feel like he in punch drunk love i feel like he um finds his strength but he's not um what do you call it he's not independent he's not independent no i feel like he finds his strength but he doesn't use it all the time like he he finds his strength and i feel like he uses it only when he needs to um because he philip seymour hoffman's basically like fucking him over in that movie or trying to dick him around the whole time and then at the end, he finds the strength to tell that guy to piss off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't really think that he becomes this... Oh, and he also finds the strength to tell his sister to fuck off as well, because his sister is abusive and all that. Yeah. But that's the thing, is that, like, I don't really think that he really becomes, like, this strong, independent person. Because, I mean, that's kind of also the point of the movie, I think, because it is it is a romance movie, and Paul Thomas Anderson has said it is about falling in love but um yeah you know, it doesn't feel like independence such as like hey i i found love and now i feel more confident you know yeah it's true it's it's more strength through a partnership whereas Meyerwood mm-hmm. stories is kind of um strength in maybe your position in the family and like confidence yeah. in in that mm-hmm. ability yeah, would you say independence for Meyerowitz stories? I, I think at least more so than... Um, the Punch Drunk Love? Yeah, more than Punch Drunk Love because, I don't know, I think the arc is also that he recognizes that now now that his daughter's left the home, there's this kind of cycle of, of family that's repeating, and now he kind of has to take a position of being a good dad um, in light yeah. of like, his, his own father's weaknesses and failures. So, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen Meyerowitz stories in a while, and now that we're talking about it, now I'm just like, "Fuck, I need to watch this again." Such a good movie. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, that was a, that um, was one I hadn't heard of or seen until uh, our our rewatch, and I was I was really impressed by it. Oh yeah, it's no Bombach, and I think, like I said too, I just I really have never super been impressed by any of his stuff until I saw Marriage Story, and then. Then it was just a deep dive into his filmography with, you know, Meyerowitz stories, The Squid and the Whale, Greenberg, which is also with Ben Stiller and it's also fantastic. But yeah, no, he, um, Noah Baumbach really uses all of Adam Sandler's, um, talents well. Um, just his likability, I think, is another thing. And I think that's his main street or one of his, um, best strengths is that he's always just likable. You just, you never really want to see him like fail or anything. You just you kind of want to see him succeed, just because he's, you know, he's he, you never are like fuck this guy. You're like I I hope he succeeds. I hope he's okay at the end. You know. I think that reflects to how I feel after Sandler after watching however many movies of his now is like 
before if I was kind of more middler on Sandler. Now I'm like, I want him to succeed. I, 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 when I see him in a bad movie, I'm like, oh, you can do better. Like I've seen you do better. Yeah. And I think the whole like fact that we're having this podcast, especially a three episode long kind of, <laughs> uh, talk about this guy, it just shows that he is likable and that people do like him. And it is like, Hey man, whether it's in real life or in the movies, we want you to succeed and we want you to do the best that you can. So, um, you know, do better <laughs> just yeah do, just do a better job of picking movies um or making movies but so know. what do you think holds him back like as far as weaknesses go fart jokes fart um, jokes yeah just fart jokes and all the all the dumb jokes that he makes and like just the lazy humor in his movies i think is the main uh number one thing is because these have just gotten so like this humor is died. It feels like he's he's uh, beating a dead horse when he does comedies, in my opinion. It just feels like he's doing the same jokes that and the same the same shtick that's you know just not really working. And it's yeah. just it's getting to a point where like people who used to love him just don't like him anymore because they're like, I can't. Like he he does the same shit every movie. He feels passionless too. I think that's another weakness with him that holds him back is that. It seems like a lot of the movies that he does are movies that he is making. Either he's writing them or he's producing them. Mm. Um, They're from Happy Madison Productions, something like that. And it just seems like they're all just movies he's doing for the money. They never really feel like they're coming from his heart, you know? Like, it just... Yeah, it's it's passionless. It's like he's kind of in in a rut. You know, he hasn't developed his comedy or at least his the comedy in his films. He hasn't really developed since the 90s. And it feels really passe at times and just just not funny. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, And it kind of like I'm seeing this happen with some comedians. I feel like if most comedians, if they don't develop their humor or change their humor, they're just after a while, they're just going to kind of fall into a ditch and just kind of stay there for the rest of their career it seems like almost um yeah it seems like it's hard for some comedians especially from that era to get out of a shtick yeah exactly and i mean like you know uh, on snl he was really funny doing all these like silly voices and doing the you know excited southerner he had a lot of success in the 90s and the early 2000s and i I love watching those movies to this day um uh, maybe not Little Nicky, but I think you know what I mean. But <laughs> yeah, there's there's better ones than that. There's much better ones than that. The Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, all of those. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like it's it's just he's doing the same thing that he did on SNL, and it almost makes it seem like well, you know, maybe he thought, you know what, I've had success with this. Why don't I just keep doing it? Maybe it's like the if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing that kind of thought process but it's just i feel like you know if you if you do anything long enough it's gonna get fucking old like you just you can't yeah overdo the same thing um i also don't know if he reads any of his reviews i don't like i know during uncut gems like the promotional tour he said like oh you know i, I didn't realize i could get six zeros on rotten tomatoes so <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't see why he would though either, because exactly. it clearly hasn't affected his career. You know, he can keep making like ridiculous six 
and still get like he got a massive Netflix deal. So there's still a market clearly for him. So I respect that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like if he did read his reviews, he would kind of like maybe he would take that into consideration and whatnot. But the thing is, I feel like critics and I can almost side with him a little bit because critics have always been on his ass. They have never given him a chance. They It doesn't seem like because I was watching a, an interview with him and Jennifer Lawrence right before coming on here. And he said in it, he made Billy Madison back in the day. He was reading the reviews and they hated it. They just they hated Billy Madison. And it's like. We're look we're talking right now and we're saying that that's one of his best movies. So it just kind of it, it frustrates me a little bit because I'm like, well, we all talk about how he's not a great actor or well, not sorry, the, he is a great actor, but he's doing projects that are not great. Mm-hmm. Um and that we'd love to see him go back to the days of Billy Madison, but it's like but this guy never got a fucking chance. Like he never had any chance of succeeding because people right from the get-go didn't get what he was doing and they were like, oh, your humor is dumb, so it's bad and it's shit and you suck. And I just kind of like, you know, I I, I, I I get that he's just like, you know what, I'm not going to read the reviews. I'm just going to look at the 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 box office and yeah. see that as success. And if he, in from his perspective, if he is only paying attention to that. I can understand why he would, you know, not change his humor because, you know, it's it's like, hey, how did Pixels do? Uh, I don't know about critically, but it made this much money and it, that was a lot more than it cost to make. Like, that's pretty yeah. spectacular. There's always been an audience. There's exactly. A, like, since Billy Madison, regardless of critics, like, there's been an audience. So the, the, the criticisms, they really don't matter in terms of his career exactly and then there's this um there's this thing called uh this website called world of real they made a a article called netflix signs adam sandler to 275 million dollar four movie deal which is absolutely fucking insane um, yeah <laughs> Man, so, how many people yeah. dream of a deal like that? Come on. Yeah, and then they also said uh, somewhere in the article that it claims its viewers spent two billion hours watching Adam Sandler movies. I think that was us alone. No, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely felt like it. To be honest, yeah. um, I think the but ridiculous yeah, no, six was uh, two billion hours long. That movie alone. <laughs> That's how long it felt. That's how long I felt like I was sitting in my room watching that. But that anyway. explains that. That explains that, yeah. But see, like there's, like you said, there's always been an audience, and it seems like there always will be because here's the thing: like people are making articles and videos called, you know, uh, Adam Sandler's career is falling apart, or why Adam Sandler's career fell apart, or you know, I don't really. It doesn't really seem like his career fell apart. In fact, it seems like it might be stronger than ever now. Because yeah. he's making so much money that it's, like, ridiculous. Um, and he's proved himself critically so many times now. Like, it's so hard to deny that he has any kind of talent performance-wise. Like, he's a good actor. He clearly, yeah. Like, it's just he makes his own business choices that work, too, on top of that. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, he actually is pretty, like, intelligent in a commercial sense like in a mm-hmm. in a sense of um 
what do you call it? Like making money and whatnot. Like definitely, maybe not making content. He's not the greatest. But that's the thing too is that I've talked to people who love his movies, and I, you know, the thing is too, I'm not, I'm not here to like shit on anybody who likes his movies because at the end of the day, it is just enjoyment. You know, that's all it is. It's a movie. Yeah, that's the goal. Know? Um, yeah, and that's the thing is that I've talked to some people and they're like, look, I understand Adam Sandler's movies aren't, you know, like the smartest humor or anything like that. But the reason people like them so much is because it's just, it's totally just shut your brain off, enjoy. And that's like it. It's just, it's easy to watch and it's not something that's going to make you, you know, stressed out or anything like that, except for yeah. Uncut Gems, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. But that's different because that's not is is that even really an Adam Sandler movie, or is that an Adam Sandler movie that he's a hired gun in rather than the you know the tank who's pulling the trigger, right? Yeah, no, I I agree with that. It definitely doesn't feel like an Adam Sandler movie, but they use Adam Sandler like in the best possible way. Yeah, exactly. They use his weakness of like being annoying. In a way that actually adds to the story, which is just, yeah, mm-hmm. they turn a weakness into a strength. Exactly, yeah. And that's the thing, that's why I love that movie so much, is that they just, they make such a well-rounded, three-dimensional character. I mean, like, the Safdie brothers wrote that movie, like, I, th- I thought they said it was somewhere between, like, 60 and 160 times or something like that. They've written that wow. movie an insane amount of times over the past, like, 10 years, so... You know, like, they they definitely have had time to create, like, a well-rounded character. But that's the thing, too, is that you hear about movies take 10 years to get made, and then, you know, they're kind of they're kind of shitty. These guys are, they're some of the best directors working today, in my opinion. I think Good Time was fucking incredible, and this was even better. Uncut Gems was even better, so. Mm-hmm. It just, it shows, like, how when Adam Sandler's in the right hands with the right directors, they can just take his, uh charm and his wit and all of that and just turn it into something completely brand new and i think that's that's an excellent skill that he has is that i don't think it's just the directors i think that it's genuinely him because yeah the character was in the right hands for that role because no matter how much effort went into crafting that character it could have been it could have been still terrible if it was performed by someone who just wasn't the right person exactly yeah. yeah and i think i brought up last time that um there was a rumor yeah i read it on wikipedia and i don't really you know I don't, it's not the most uh what do you call it uh credible credible that's the word yeah not the most credible source ever but you know it's i do think it is interesting though that they said jonah hill for a period of time was cast in the howard ratner role and mm-hmm. I don't think, like, I think Jonah Hill's an amazing actor. He's so talented, you know, in comedies, dramas, everything. Yeah, he's done great stuff. Yeah, and he's even, I haven't seen mid-90s, but, I mean, he directed that, and that's pretty, that's pretty freaking cool, you know? That's, that's one thing Adam Sandler hasn't done that maybe, you know, maybe he would be good, maybe he wouldn't be good, I don't know, but... Jonah Hill doing Howard Ratner, I feel like wouldn't be as good as how Adam Sandler did it, because it's a very particular... Uh, way that Adam Sandler did it, there was a lot of nuance to his performance. There was a lot of, you know, maturity, maturity. Yeah, and I don't think I don't even think Jonah Hill would be bad. I feel like he would actually be like really good as Howard Ratner, but I just don't think he would have been as good as Adam Sandler was. You know? Yeah, I think if I Jonah definitely H- buy Adam Sandler more. Yeah. Than him. Oh yeah, hundred percent. 
I think Jonah Hill, if he did it, um, he would have, people would have been like, oh shit, he's really good in this movie. But I feel like it would have been like, it wouldn't have gotten the same awards recognition that Adam Sandler got because I feel like that role was just handmade for Adam Sandler. And Mm -hmm. Jonah Hill just would have been somebody filling his place almost. Um, Again, not shitting on Jonah Hill. Love the guy. I, I just, you know, there's a wrong role for everybody, though, is the thing. Yeah. You know. Speaking of which, since Jonah Hill almost got Adam Sandler roles, shall we also dig into roles that Adam Sandler almost got? Here are a couple of the roles that Adam Sandler almost had. From Vulture, we have Very Bad Things. He almost played Michael Burkow, which went to Jeremy Piven. He was almost in Martin Scorsese's Rat Pack biopic Dino, where he played, where he would have played Joey Bishop. Unfortunately, he was never made. He was almost in Bringing Down the House, playing Peter Stan- Sanderson, which went to Steve Martin. Uh, the Hebrew Hammer as Mordecai Jefferson Carver, which went to Adam Goldberg. He was almost in Collateral as Max, which went to Jamie Foxx. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as Willy Wonka, going to Johnny Depp. Inglorious Bastards is Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, which went to Eli Roth. And Night and Day, he was almost Roy Miller, which eventually went to Tom Cruise. And from What Culture, he was almost in Dogma as Azrael, which went to Jason Lee. Jason Lee. And he was almost in Guardians of the Galaxy as Rocket Raccoon, which went to Bradley Cooper. Here's a couple that we wanted to talk about very quickly. This one I'm actually really pumped to talk about. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is the movie Collateral, directed by Michael Mann, starring Jamie Foxx and uh, Tom Cruise. This one, he was up for the role of Max, um, which eventually went to Jamie Foxx and earned him an Oscar nomination. Have you seen this movie? I saw it around the time it came out, so it's fuzzy in my memory. Yeah, were you like six when that came out? Yeah. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> Probably too young. It was just like a movie I sat down and watched with my folks. Yeah. Rented it from Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. It's a um, it's a really, really good movie. Um, this was back when, you know, Michael Mann was still like Michael Mann. Like he was still making his, his great movies. He's kind of fallen yeah. off the map, I feel like, lately. You know, he did that movie Black Hat or whatever it was with Chris Hemsworth, which mm. no one saw. Um, but this was back when he was Michael the Man Man. Yes, ex- exactly. This was like, you know, he he did, um, what do you call it? He did Heat, The Insider, oh. and Alley um, right before doing Collateral. Um, honestly, Collateral, looking at his uh, Wikipedia, it looks like this might have been his last great movie. Because uh, this got followed up with Miami Vice and Public Enemies and then Black Hat, so... Yeah. Yikes! Yeah. Um, well, okay. What? Yeah. What? What the hell? <laughs> I I just don't see it though. Like Adam Sandler in Jamie Foxx's role, I yeah. just can't see it any other way. Uh, I don't know. He here's the thing is that we talked about his anxious energy, um, Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could have worked here. I don't know if it would have worked as well as Jamie Foxx did. I'm definitely like I'm I'm glad they got Jamie Foxx instead of Adam Sandler. I can see it a lot more, but um But in that alternate universe where where Adam Sandler plays Max, uh, I, yeah. I guess when you put it that way, the nervous energy, I could see it. Yeah. I feel like this is similar though like how I said 
you know how I said earlier about Jonah Hill being Howard Ratner is a really good performance, but it's not Oscar caliber. Yeah. I feel like this is the same with uh, Adam Sandler playing Max. Like, people would have been like, yeah, no, that's great, but um, it's not Oscar caliber. Like, it would have been like, oh, mm. shit, he can actually do, like, some pretty good stuff. But you wouldn't have – you. I feel like he would have been overshadowed by um, Tom Cruise, which, I mean, like, it's mainly the movie. I feel like Jamie Foxx is kind of overshadowed by Tom Cruise because he's being kind of, you know – Worked like a puppet by Tom Cruise for most yeah. of the movie, where he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go drive around and kill people tonight, and you're gonna be the one driving me around." But I just, I just see Jamie Fox at the end of this movie, you know, like running away from Tom Cruise and that like climactic end scene. I just, I don't really see the Sandman doing that, you know. No, Jamie Fox can definitely carry an action scene and a chase better than. Mm-hmm. than- Sandler. Yeah. I could see Sandler like cracking jokes like nervously from the front seat of like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Here we go killing again. But exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah. I can see him doing the driving scenes and whatnot. Yeah. But the scenes, this sounds almost like offensive. It almost seems like I can't see him run. You know, like it just seems almost <laughs> like I'm like I'm insulting him for that because. No, it's because of his status. Adam Sandler runs for no man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing, too. I think it's also just it's burned into my memory in these movies when he is running. It's kind of done comically. Like, Punch mm-hmm. Drunk Love, that scene's kind of funny. Um, it is. You know? Um, but also the fight scene towards the end of Funny People, that is also kind of popping into my head where he yeah. gets into a fight with Eric Bana and Seth Rogen. Like, that's kind of comedic. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about Punch Drunk Love. He does run away from villains in that movie, and it is, like, intense to watch, but... But it's also played as, like, he's kind of pathetic. He's kind of pathetic, right? Yeah. What's Jamie Foxx's kind of portrayal in this movie? Because you make a good point there. He's definitely played as kind of a pathetic character in Punch Drunk Love. Um, Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. But um, Jamie Foxx, it doesn't really feel, like, pathetic. It just seems like he's... He just seems scared because Tom Cruise has a gun. Like, that's really... And he's a murderer. Like, he's literally a hitman, so... Yeah. You know. Jamie Foxx is, like, the average, you know, working-class man yeah. who's just, like, caught up in a bad situation. I don't know if I see that as Sandler as much. He, like, he is very... Sandler doesn't look like a movie star either, mm-hmm. but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is really ironic, considering that he's probably one of the most successful... You know, it's true. You know. I don't. I think Jamie Fox can play that working class action man better, like that kind of um, that Bruce Phil- that Bruce Willis vibe from like Die Hard, where he's just like this working. Well, I guess he's a cop. He's not exactly working class. Yeah, but, like, you know what I mean. It's that energy of like, oh, I work with my hands. Yeah, like he's maybe you know not like a guy who's you know super sharp with anything like that, but maybe he's he's got like more street smarts and street smarts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the thing. I in this movie too, I feel like Jamie Fox is a very street smart character because he's a taxi driver. He's you know he's dealt with some people probably who are he knows the streets weird. literally he knows the streets literally but do you ever really see Adam Sandler as like a street smart kind of guy like I don't really maybe no. in Uncut Gems but that's again that's like more in the pathetic kind of uh, side and even of still in Uncut Gems like he is really well off like exactly yeah so. he seems a little bit foreign to certain things like he seems that's the thing too. 
And Uncut Gems, he's street smart where he's in a place that he knows what he's doing, right? But yeah, he can gamble. But like when it comes gamble. to actually like gang stuff, he's kind of like yeah, you know, he thinks he he can control the situation, but he absolutely cannot. Exactly. Yeah, like the whole scene in the car. That's like him using his mouth you know mm-hmm. i feel like that's the thing is that i feel like adam sandler when he's in those situations he, uh you can really use him well if the character is going to use their mouth to get out of the situation right um, you know like if he's in the back seat of a car and eric bogosian is saying you know you're taking all my fucking money and you know placing bets around town what would a character do in that situation when they've got two henchmen, three henchmen beating the living shit out of you uh, while they're trying to rip your clothes off and stick you in the back of your car naked? <laughs> Using your mouth is really the only option there. Yeah, right? you got to quip your way out of it. Exactly. But the character of Max, I feel like, is a guy who... Yes, I think he is using his mouth to try and get out of the situation when he's driving around with Tom Cruise, but I feel like Jamie Foxx early on kind of understands, like, hey, look, I'm not going to fucking get out of this with my fucking, with talking my way out of it. I feel like I need to Mm. either A, you know, uh, trick him into doing something wrong or to messing up or... Be just haul assing, running the fuck away. Um, yeah, which I Jamie Fox yeah. definitely belongs in an action movie, mm-hmm. in a traditional action movie more than than Adam Sandler. Yeah, I think if this movie was written differently, I think if Collateral was like written as a different type of movie, yeah, sure, Adam Sandler he could he could do it. Um, like I said, I don't even think he'd be bad in the movie as like as it is. I think he could carry it. I just don't think it would have been as great as it was with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I think you said it best. It'd be a different movie. Yeah, for it to exactly. Work. It'd have to be a different movie. Hundred percent. It would work better as a different movie. I, I feel like Collateral, as is with Adam Sandler, it would it would be. It, well, you remember how I said Collateral is probably Michael Mann's last great movie? Mm-hmm. I feel like if it was Adam Sandler in Collateral as it is, we wouldn't be saying that. We would be saying Ali was his last great movie or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so, that's yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but, you know, definitely different written movie. He could have done it, um, in my opinion. Alrighty, this one's really this one's really weird to me. Um, <laughs> Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which went to Johnny Depp. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you: What do you think of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp? Uh, I remember seeing it as a kid, and like it was weirder than the original, but also the original is really weird, but yeah. in a better way. Like no one beats Gene Wilder at being Willy Wonka, and I just remember as a kid being like. Just feeling like Willy Wonka is some kind of a pedophile or something like yeah he, he gives or the, the a... Johnny Depp one not not the Gene Wilder one oh, the Gene yeah. Wilder one's like a trickster and like he he's you know trying to teach kids a lesson but yeah the, no Gene yeah. Wilder kind of felt like a Loki kind of figure where he was like a trickster yeah. kind of like that kind of thing like he almost felt like he was a larger than life personality um, yeah people have compared Johnny Depp to like Michael Jackson yes. At um, big time. Which I get that. Like, I get that kind of kind of vibe. And it's just very kind of, like, weird where I'm like, I don't I don't know, man. This is kind of... 
it's bizarre. It's, it's it's a bizarre feel to a movie, and then I feel like they made fun of it. And you remember that movie, Epic Movie, that was like one of those. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, parody? I do. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I think they got like Crispin Glover to play Willy Wonka in yeah, that. Yeah, like, they the, did the parody, and he did a good job making it seem like yeah, he's he's a little pervy. Um, but also like when it comes to um a Tim Burton. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> of course, Johnny Depp would play. Like, of course, of course. Who else would it be, right? But yeah, I don't see, I don't see Sandler in that either. I don't, I don't know. It, I really it'd be a different, it'd be a different movie. Like, mm-hmm. I could see maybe, maybe something more like uh, bedtime stories with that kind of tone, not as creepy, but more like friendly for kids type of movie with yeah. Adam Sandler. Yeah, um, for sure. I could see that. Yeah, I. It's weird. I can almost see him more as an Oompa Loompa than a, than a Willy Wonka, you know? Yes. Oh, my God. Just impose his face onto every Oompa Loompa. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's just, he gives up a weird vibe as, like, a like a Willy Wonka, you know? Like, I can see, like, you remember that part in, like, um, in, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Like, I think Mike TV is talking, and he keeps going, like, mumbler. Like, he keeps yelling mumbler in his face. Like, yeah. He's like, oh, I can't hear you. Ha, <laughs> Um, I just see Adam Sandler doing that, but it's not, oh, mumbler, it's ha 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 ha, shut up, like that kind of thing that he would always do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, it doesn't work. And it's weird to say that too, because Johnny Depp didn't really work either. Um, no, even though I he think was, for, yeah, for like a creepy, uh, Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like, yeah, that's, that's the best you're going to get. <laughs> exactly it didn't work it really didn't yeah charlie and the chocolate factory kind of holds a place in my heart because i love that movie growing up um but it's also one of those movies like you know i watched it all the time as a kid and then you know maybe like 10 years later i was like hey i wonder if that holds up and i watched it and i think it's best to just leave this movie in 2005 let's just say that um i saw it and went yeah I, I do remember Christopher Lee's in it, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's that's true. Um, and I always liked Freddie Highmore um, and whatnot. Mm. He's on that show, The Good Doctor now, which I haven't seen. But yeah, no. Yeah. That but, movie yeah. needs a whole workshop or just to like, you know, yeah. just uh, watch a remaster of of Willy Wonka or of yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Willy Factory. Wonka, yeah. Gene Wilder did it best. Let's just... Just leave it the fuck alone. Even Gene Wilder didn't like this movie. He he didn't even really? hide it. He was like, dude, this is weird. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. This is one that's actually been publicized pretty well, this next role that he almost had. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant Donnie Donowitz in Inglorious Bastards. Not a big role, but a significant one. Mm-hmm. I could see it as like... um. It it definitely would feel more like a oh like a cameo kind of like how um, Mike Myers was also he had like a small <laughs> cameo in Inglorious Bastards like with with that tone with that kind of scene I think it could actually work where you're like is that is that Adam Sandler is that is that Mike Myers wow yeah like I could I could kind of see it but that's the thing the movie's yeah fine as it is yeah and he was I feel like Eli Ross was in like a good number of scenes like he wasn't like a big character but he was in like enough scenes where you were like okay like he's playing like a crucial role he's also the guy who you know shoots Hitler in the face at that's the end, true you know or in or I don't even think he shoots him in the face but he shoots he just him, turns him, him into like ground beef exactly um which is you know classic tarantino rewriting history gotta love it um 
Yeah, no, I also need to see this movie again because I love Inglorious Bastards and I haven't seen it in years. It was the first first Tarantino movie I ever actually saw, so that was like my my That's introduction. A good one to start with. Yeah, I kind of almost now that I'm saying that I kind of almost wish Adam Sandler was in this because it would have been like you know my my childhood growing up watching all these Adam Sandler movies and then I'm like <laughs> oh this Adam Sandler movie and it totally opens up the door to Tarantino for me. Yeah, but, you um, like graduate into more adult <laughs> movies. <laughs> exactly, but um, I'm glad it went to Eli Roth. I think that that was um, I think that that was a good choice just because yeah. like I don't know like. I, I I don't know. I just the scene I really have trouble with is I always have trouble with Adam Sandler with a gun. It just seems goofy to me him holding a gun. Mm. Um, but also the bat that the bear Jew has in that movie where he yeah. know, beats the ever living shit out of a guy. He beats a guy to death with a baseball bat. I don't know, man. I just I have a hard time seeing Adam Sandler doing that and. I think 2009, I think he turned this movie down because he was doing Funny People, which I feel like that was, like, one of his absolute best performances, so... Yeah, no, definitely take Funny People for Adam Sandler over um, Mm -hmm. the Bear Jew. I think also Eli Roth is kind of more intimidating when he steps out. I think so, too, yeah. Um, There's something about Eli Roth. I think it's more... You also, if you, like know eli roth like if you know who he is it is uh, yeah he adds even more of that because you know he's a director who's made like some weird movies too so you're almost like he seems a little off you know yeah he's gonna do some horrific shit when he steps out exactly with adam sandler you're like (laughs) i feel like with with uh (laughs) with the baseball bat you're like is this like happy gilmore like what's gonna happen (laughs) here like you know yeah. Like, like you, I, I can almost see, like, instead of, because, like, Eli Roth puts the baseball bat up to the guy's head and then swings. I feel like in, you know, in the version where Adam Sandler is there, he, like, does, like, a couple steps towards it. Like, he's hitting, like, hitting a drive in Happy Gilmore. Like, that's how right. I see it. And that just kind of, it pulls me out of it. So, I yeah. don't know. I definitely think Funny People was a better movie to do at the time, but... If Tarantino ever wants Adam Sandler to work in one of his future movies, Sandler, just just take it. Like I want to see that. I want to see it too. I'd I'd love to see him in in something. You know, I'm trying to think of him in other Tarantino movies just <laughs> just for my own curiosity. But I, mm-hmm. I I'm curious about this uh, Nonowitz cameo. I, I I think he would have been good, but we didn't get it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> The last one that he almost had before we get into some of our quick reflection reflection questions is <laughs> this one's really interesting. Uh, Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, which went to Bradley Cooper. I could see this. Really? Or, yeah, I think I think he has he can he can turn on like a gravelly rage. That's and true. that's basically Rocket's character is like he he's just so rage filled and, and always shouting. And even Bradley Cooper, he has to like strain his voice. You can tell to like hit those gravelly registers. And I I could I could hear it. I think I think Bradley Cooper, you know, I wouldn't change it now. But if it came out with Adam Sandler initially, I I think I would have bought it. That's true, you know, because I was thinking the other day actually, like you know, Adam Sandler. They, they it seems like every day. They add another actor to the MCU. It feels like they have like the big, like every actor 
who's been a big actor has been in the MCU or at least been a Marvel character in some way, shape or form. Like we're looking at like, I'm talking about uh, like Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. Like they might not be in the MCU, but they're in the fucking, they're in uh, the X-Men universe. Yeah. They're they're MCU adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're pretty much right there. They have every actor who's talented and has been big. And I feel like Adam Sandler meets both of those categories. Like, I feel like he is a very talented guy and he has been a huge actor. And I was thinking, what role would he play if he was in the MCU? And I feel like Rocket Raccoon is one of the only two that I could really picture him playing. Yeah, Um, I think he'd do best doing like a voice. Absolutely. In the MCU, because he does have a bit of a cartoony voice that could Mm -hmm. fit a more comic booky character. I could maybe yeah. see him as like Modoc, who's like this big headed kind of like his whole body is basically a head that floats around in a chair with like tiny arms and legs. I don't know. Maybe I could see that. Yeah. Who's, who's that again? What was he from? Like what comics? Um, I think he was initially a Hulk villain. I want to oh, say shit. that'd be interesting. Um, Let's get a fucking Hulk movie. Let's get Adam Sandler as the villain. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. Is that the one that Tim Blake Nelson played in the incredible Hulk? Um, no, he he played the leader. Oh, I see. Yeah, true. The only person that I could... The only other character that I could maybe see Adam Sandler playing in the MCU. Um, and this is one that's kind of a stretch, too. Like, it would have to be a cameo, and that would be it. But um, mm-hmm. I could maybe see him being Uncle Ben. Huh. <laughs> I think he'd be fun. I mean, he's got charm to him. He he seems like he'd be like a cool uncle, you know? Yeah, you know what? Since they did like a cool aunt for Aunt May, they did did, um, Marissa Tomei. Like, she's so freaking cool. Anger management. That right there, you know? Oh, my God. There's the connection. There's the connection right there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's like a cool aunt. Yeah. So I I can see that uh, Marissa Tomei's Aunt May being married to somebody like Adam Sandler. Yeah. the only thing is, too, I feel like Marissa Tomei, like, Aunt May, her Aunt May is, like, super, like, hot, so. Oh, my God, yeah. It just seems maybe a little bit weird that she'd marry, you know, Sandler, but. That's true, but not unprecedented in Sandler movies. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's <laughs> the joke, though. Maybe that's, like, the joke where it's, like, really? Like, even John Favreau would be a better choice, but you went with Sandler? Like, all right, all right. Aunt May likes funny guys. Yeah, she like she does, honestly. Um, hey, she didn't like Tony Stark, so, you know, True. maybe that's the whole thing. But Yeah. I could definitely see him doing a voice, though, because, I mean, like, look at Hotel Transylvania. He's very good at voice work. He's been very successful. The Hotel Transylvania movies um, have done really well, so why not? I found it interesting. I'm kind of warmed up to it a little bit of him playing Rocket Raccoon. Um, yeah, I don't think it'd be that different from Bradley no. Cooper's, to be honest. Yeah, I I'm glad that they got Bradley Cooper. Um, I definitely I could, I just see Howard Ratner's voice a little bit in like Rocket Raccoon, which I think mm. I think would work. But it just I don't know. I definitely think he could have put on like a good voice though for Rocket Raccoon. Um, mm-hmm. The last one. This is like a completely. This is. Um, something that the Safdie brothers said in an interview for the, for Uncut Gems. Um, but they also said, uh, Adam Sandler almost worked with Danny Boyle, which I think is interesting because 
Like, I'm not sure which movie he almost worked on, but... Yeah, I wonder what it would have been. I wonder what it would have been. I remember once I told you that, and you, the first thing you said was, oh, it must have been Slumdog. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, I would have loved to have seen him do Slumdog, the dancing yeah. at the end. I think it would have been I, great. I could maybe see him as, like, the Waz. The, the what, sorry? The Waz, Wozniak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that went to Seth Rogen, and I could see him maybe doing that. Um, Seth Rogen's a better choice, though. Absolutely. He looks way more like it than he does. Um, Mm. I could maybe see Adam Sandler being Michael Stolberg's character from Steve Jobs. Um, Mm. Have you seen Steve Jobs yet? I have, yeah. Oh, what'd you think? I I just, I love, it kind of continues Danny Boyle's homotif, I guess, in, in... from 28 Days Later over to Steve Jobs. It's like that experimenting with different cameras and what that communicates about a story. Yeah. And I just love that. Like, it's it's so creative and outside mm-hmm. the box. I love the way that they tell that story where it's just in three separate time periods. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it feels like three different days. Like, that's just all it feels like. Um, what do you think was Adam Sandler's last good movie? I mean, that's easy right now. Uncut Gems. Um, that's true if you consider that as being a safety brothers film yeah then the answer my answer would change i'm looking through his list yeah when you i guess what i mean more specifically is like when do you think was his last good like movie that he made before his career kind of took what some people would call like a downward spiral like when do you think his career his movies stopped being fun and as funny as they usually are. Yeah, I want to say, like, geez, I feel bad for putting it this early, but, like, The Wedding Singer <laughs> was, like, his last really likable one. Uh, again, this is just for, like, an Adam Sandler joint. Like, it's a pure Adam Sandler movie. Fifty First Dates is solid, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got some problems, but it's solid. Click, honestly, the second half is good. A uh, little disjointed as a whole. Yeah, um, but like the last, the last Adam Sandler movie that I enjoyed all the way through, maybe Big Daddy, maybe The Wedding Singer, around there, I feel like is where some of the downturn went. Yeah, that's fair. I would definitely say like a, a lot later, um, personally, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like I, I genuinely believe Big Daddy is a good movie. Um, Right. And I think Mr. Deeds is a lot of fun. So with uh same with uh fifty first dates. Okay, um, true, yeah. Click the second half is really good, so I can kinda get behind that. But I would say here's the thing. For many, many years I've been saying to myself that just go with it was the last one that was good, but after seeing it again <clears throat> look, the fact that you have to drink like five beers before that movie to enjoy <laughs> it, like to really like it. That kind of says something, you know? Yeah, you can't go with it anymore, is what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. Um, This is what I would say. If you are, like, 12 or under, I think the last good movie that Adam Sandler made would probably be Bedtime Stories, because I do think that that Mm -hmm. genuinely is a good kids movie. Um, I don't think it's great for adults. I don't think adults like it as much as kids do. In fact... It's weird because watching it years later, I actually kind of enjoyed it. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh. Um, so there's some I would nostalgia say, there. Yeah, there's a nostalgia there. So I would say his last movie that's genuinely pretty good 
would probably be um, 50 first dates. Um, it would either it would be somewhere between 50 first dates and bedtime stories. And I know between those, he made Zohan and Chuck and Larry, which are definitely in the bad category. But um, yeah, but I think that indicates that that's when he started to dip. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think uh, bedtime stories was a solid effort. Um, and it was the beginning of him doing more like kids movies. So I don't know what that necessarily means, but um, I would say that's when he was when he really was like that was his last solid attempt before he kind of fell off the map, uh, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I, I I can definitely understand that perspective. Yeah. Here's the thing. A lot of his movies, though, seem to be kind of... uh, They're they're all shit on. Like, critics just love to shit on him, it seems like. So what do you think is maybe his most overlooked or underrated movie? One that people maybe shit on, but I don't think... You don't really think it deserves as much hate as it gets. I don't think... I don't think Big Daddy deserves the hate that it gets. Like, I forget. I I looked it up before watching it, and, like, it's got... I feel like it's got like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. And yeah. it's not, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, yeah, it's no masterpiece, but like, it's a solid heartwarming, you know, yeah. film. The humor is not super advanced or anything, but exactly. like, Hey, it's, he's likable in it. The story I buy, I mean, look, you got to yeah. just accept that he wouldn't get in trouble for kidnapping basically, but the guy <laughs> it's not it's nothing too crazy like it's definitely one of his more down-to-earth comedies exactly i actually think the romance in that movie is one of his best movie romances yeah. where it's him and joey lauren adams and i think that that actually like really fits well um mm-hmm. their chemistry is really cute like they're actually a really really cute couple in that movie um yeah i can only think of like one other person that he had better chemistry with and that's drew barrymore um mm-hmm and even that, I'm like, was it better or was were they better? Because they were really cute together, him and Joey Lauren Adams. But yeah, if he had as much um, screen time with Joey Lauren Adams as is with um, Drew Barrymore, because he's done like three movies with Barrymore. Um, yeah, I think they'd be pretty neck and neck. Um, That's true. You're right; they are such a lovable couple. They are, and they're really cute together. And they're not. Um, it's it's just nice to. I, I don't find it so, like, unbelievably, like... Like, I'm not saying that Joey Lauren Adams isn't, like, attractive. I think that she's, you know, I think she's hot. Like, she's gorgeous. Yeah. But but she's not, like, Michelle Monaghan, where it's, like, she's known to be this, like, gorgeous, gorgeous actress. And then he's, like, he walks on screen and she's, like, oh, my God, I'm so into him. Like, it's just... it does, When you're, like, what? That doesn't make yeah, any sense. Like I don't buy that at all. There's a better... There's a much better build-up between the romance in this movie, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, like, him just walking on screen and just saying something and it's, like, the girl's, like, ooh, like... I'm into him. Like he, it feels like he's actually like a kind of a charming guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just like an easy thing that had just happens. Like it feels like there's actually like a, a good build up to it. Um, yeah. It feels more organic than writing yeah. in like Kate Beckinsale into click where it's oh, like, Oh man. How? What? But yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think his, that big daddy is, is shit on undeservedly. It's kind of like, it's just weird that he won the Razzie for worst actor in that movie. Yeah, what? And that just goes back to my point where I genuinely think it's just the Razzies, the Golden Raspberry Awards, just 
don't like him and want to punish him for making movies. He's definitely an easy punching bag for exactly who's a bad who's a bad actor who's a bad filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. It's just it feels cheap to just give him shit for that movie because it really is a sweet movie at its core, and they're just bagging on it for no reason. And I just I think that's that's weird. You've got to have a guilty pleasure Adam Sandler movie, though. There's got to be I one do. where you're like, oh, okay, what is it? I'm actually so ashamed. But, like, <laughs> okay, it's very problematic and, like, genuinely not not good. But the Zohan was, like, I don't know why my <laughs> friend and I as a kid got, like, just, we watched that so much. I feel like it was, like, we went to the cottage one time to his cottage and like that was the only dvd but it cracked us up so much like the whole fizzy buble thing that made us laugh the fact that he wants to be a hairdresser the way he swam in that opening like action movie where he's like paddling his arms and like his chest above the water like a dolphin like i don't know it's so stupid and like rewatching it it does not hold up but oh yeah out of the ones i'm guilty about liking like i i kind of like zohan more than like the longest yard <laughs> honestly i i can support that like i said it kind of got on my nerves after a while rewatching it now but mm-hmm. as a kid i definitely would have understood that it's funny because like i have a blu-ray i'm not sure what it is but i have a blu-ray and every time i watch it it has like a like a like a commercial for Blu-rays, like and it's showing like a bunch of like clips, and it has like a really like dramatic score, right. um, and it's showing like all these big action scenes, but like Zohan is part of the <laughs> of of the advertisement, so it's like a really serious action scene, a really serious action scene, and then there's Experience Adam swimming, swimming like a dolphin and like kicking somebody with his feet, and it's just like. It's one of those things, too, where you're, like, watching it, and you're like, oh, my God, like, it feels so, like, serious. And then you see it, and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's just, it's hilarious. But, um, yeah, no, I I support that. I, I can understand that that's your guilty pleasure. It's um, a truly guilty, guilty pleasure. Very. Um, my, my guilty pleasure, or I should say guilty pleasures, honestly, just go with it. I really I really do find that to be a guilty pleasure. I mean, I said I think in the last episode that like I bought my me myself and Irene on Blu-ray and it had the DVD for just go with it um in it. And I also I don't think I said this, but I didn't return it mainly because I was like, "Oh, I didn't know I could return it." And the main reason is I just don't really hate the movie that much. And I just thought, hey, I have it. So I'm fine with owning it. It's okay. It's whatever. You're it's- saying you got the wrong DVD and you just went with it. <laughs> I hate that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I really... I, oh. Thank you, so everybody, for tuning right into the Greg and Matt movie chat. We are officially canceled um, after Greg said that unforgivable pun. Um, it's been a wa- it's been a wild ride, guys. Um, I'm shameless. <laughs> Burn it down. That was good. Um, that one is a guilty pleasure, and also say that's my boy because I think it's also just the fact that. One, it's got Andy Samberg in it, and he's always funny. He always cracks me mm. up. I think it's also just the fact that it came out after Jack and Jill. So just by default, it uh, seems like a good movie. It looks really good next to Jack and Jill. 
<laughs> a little bit too good for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, those are very guilty pleasures for me. Um, the one question I'm going to ask, though, is because um, we have talked about how a lot of critics find that his humor is stupid and is dumb. And like, I think we can both, you know, agree with that. I mean, like his humor isn't, you know necessarily like the smartest you know fart jokes yeah, he's not like sitting it. here crafting you know a, a great punchline that's why i kind of felt weird about him being like in a role that steve martin ended up being in because steve martin i find is like the complete opposite of adam sandler like i feel like he sits down for eight hours and writes like very very well thought out well crafted jokes but mm. here's the thing just because it's dumb humor, does do you think that that means it's bad humor, or do you think it just means that it's a different type of humor? I think it's for sure a different type of humor. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the easy jokes, and you get I get a different kind of fun out of it. Where like with with a well crafted joke, I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming, but that's really funny. Like that connection makes me laugh, but. With with Adam Sandler type of humor, I'm more like, that's the easy joke, but it's funny because like I made that joke in my head right before it happened. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that it makes all of his movies bad. Sometimes it it is genuinely lazy. Like a lot of the like the Rob Schneider bits in his movies are super lazy and unfunny. Like those 100%. are those are bad humor. But oh, yeah. I don't think all the dumb stuff. Like like I I like it when you know. Um, O'Doyle's playing catch with Sandler's son and click and like Sandler just pauses and moves his hand so he gets like pelted in the face like it's it's dumb but it makes me laugh it's satisfying I mean hey it's kind of cathartic too like that's the one thing I like about Adam Sandler is that he's always he always talks back in his movies you know somebody Mm -hmm. insult well not in like punch drunk love but like that's is is that an Adam Sandler movie or is that a PTA movie where with Adam Sandler in it you know yeah Um, it's definitely the latter yeah that's the thing is that like he it almost feels cathartic watching his movies because sometimes in a comedy somebody says something to the lead character and they kind of go ah and laugh it off i feel like with adam sandler he like somebody says something to him and he beats the living shit out of them or he he always gets the last word yes he always gets the last word and that's really nice to see because i i hate watching comedies where the main character gets treated like shit and that's the joke that actually like pisses me off and i don't know if it's just something where it's just like it just makes me nervous like it just makes me feel like it's a comedy we're supposed to laugh and now we're gonna see this person get bullied like that's kind of fucking weird but that's the thing is that i feel like with adam sandler he's always like i'm always gonna get the the last word here and if that means it's dumb humor and whatnot yes sure but I don't think it's bad humor. I think it's, like we said before, some people just want to see these movies, turn their brain off, watch something fun, and I can get behind that 100%, because, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're up, you see the news and you're upset because, you know, the economy is in shambles or the fucking government is a mess or something like that. Politics yeah. always upset people, you know, and sometimes... There are comedies that are satirizing that kind of thing and whatnot, and they're great, and I'm glad that they exist, but sometimes you don't want to see that. Sometimes you just want to totally get away from that and escape and just laugh at something ridiculous and stupid. 
Yeah, there are no real world consequences in in Sandler's jokes. Exactly. And it's just like, it's just plain fun. You can just get away from things for 90 minutes and then there you go. You can move on with the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless it's funny people. That's about that's about three hours. <laughs> that's about three hours. Yeah. And it's also not as funny as his other movies. Um, in fact, that one might make you feel worse um, about who you are. But if we're talking um, Adam Sandler, like Happy Madison Productions, yeah. I think you can usually be okay with it. You know, this next question is just something just something I've noticed. And this has always kind of bugged me over the years. But. Do you find a lot of dramatic performances by comedians are like not really in heavy dramas? They're always in movies that are kind of like comedies and dramas. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's it's rarely a pure a pure drama without any humor. Exactly. And, and when it does happen too, it kind of goes under the radar. Exactly. Yeah, like Rain Over Me really fucking fell under the radar, especially mm-hmm. considering that's like, well, that's the thing too. That movie even had weird humor in it too, and I feel like the director Ugh. of that was like, "Oh, I got Adam Sandler in this movie, so I feel like we got to make it funny because that's what people want." But it I think that movie would have been better if people just saw a straight up drama, you know, because that's mm-hmm. a pretty serious movie. It's weird that it's a movie about a guy who lost his family in nine eleven, and they're trying to make jokes. For like half of it, you know? Like it doesn't a, fit. It doesn't fit at all. And it's already like a two hour long movie. It feels like an hour of it is like trying to be a comedy that it doesn't deserve to be. Yeah, um, it fell flat at every joke. Yeah, exactly. And then that's the thing too, is this just looking at like the Golden Globes, like everybody remembers Lost in Translation as Bill Murray's dramatic performance. That's what he won the Golden Globe for best actor in a comedy for. Um, people mm. see Stranger Than Fiction, Everything Must Go as Will Ferrell's dramatic turn. Those are comedies. They're seen as comedies anyway. They're dramas, but they also have comedic moments in them and kind of balance out as dramedies. Same with mm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. If you look that movie up, I think it's credi- it's credited as a comedy. It's not really what looked at as a drama. And th- even if that's not the case, I might look it up right now and be wrong, but Jim Carrey was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy, which is really odd. Um, yeah, the, he was not acting in a comedy, that's for sure. Like, yeah. That's a heavy movie. And that's the thing, is that there are a couple moments in that movie that are funny, but like, isn't that any movie ever? You know? Yeah, if there's personalities on screen, there's going to be, you know, some kind exactly. of... exactly. I've always find humor in, um, I looked it up on uh, IMDb and Wikipedia, and it says drama, romance, sci-fi. It doesn't say anything about being a comedy. Um, But that's the thing. Like, I feel like any good drama has a little bit of humor in it. So why are we looking at this and saying, oh, it's a, it's a comedy. It's, it feels like it's just because Jim Carrey is the lead in it. The people are like, oh man, like, yeah, must be a comedy because he's in it. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm bringing this up a little bit is because this is something that's kind of bothered me with Adam Sandler is that people see his movies that are dramatic movies and they go, Oh, I I just can't see it. I just can't, you know, I, I can't see him in a drama. I can't see him as a gambler. I can't see him as a nervous guy with anxiety issues and punch drunk love. Mm-hmm. So the question I have, and this is a big question kind of on the topic of dramatic performances by comedians, is to what extent 
Is it the audience member's responsibility to suspend their disbelief when watching a comedian or a comedic actor take a serious or dramatic turn? Because it is the performance that needs to be good. You know, you can't just see some comedian do a dramatic performance and do a poor job and go, oh, well, you know, they're trying to do a dramatic role, so, you know, let it go. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, do you think that it's solely the actor's responsibility that's 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 where it's hard because uh it really it's it's impossible to separate mm-hmm. um you know the societal perception of a creator or a performer against their performance like as much as as much as you want to be objective when looking at a performance or a movie like the movie wasn't made in a vacuum. The the Exactly. The yeah. creator's career is always gonna influence the next thing. But with that said, mm-hmm. like I think I wish people would at least give a little bit more be a little more open to, to to suspend that disbelief that like, hey, because it's an Adam Sandler movie, it doesn't mean it's gonna be like dumb humor. Give it a shot. Yeah. Because you might get a Meyerwitz stories. You might get an uncut gem and it's it can only it can only better the medium to just allow people to experiment and be open to that kind of experimenting regardless of what their career was before that exactly that's the thing and i think you hit the nail on the head there like perfectly because you've said before as well we've kind of had this uh conversation a little bit before but mm-hmm. i remember you saying that there's always a little bit of a baggage when you're looking at an actor there's always something that you're like you know um oh this guy's like this in real life so i kind of almost see him in this light you know yeah. i guess a good example would be in a few weeks well probably be in like a couple months actually but we're planning on doing an episode on vince vaughn um and he has a movie out called dragged across concrete where him and mel gibson are uh crooked cops and given mel gibson's history i feel like it's very it's not difficult to see him in that kind of light you know mm-hmm. he's kind of had some controversy in his life so it's it's not the hardest to see him as a cop who's kind of in the midst of some controversial footage coming out about him you know um yeah you kind of live that you kind of live that yeah so it's so when you see it in a movie you're like oh yeah i can see this happening and whatnot but like, and then like Lost in Translation too. Like you can see Bill Murray being like this actor who's, I don't think Bill Murray's washed up, but he plays kind of a washed up actor in that movie. And you can kind of almost watch it and be like, you know, maybe Bill Murray's a little bit washed up because maybe he's not starring in as many movies as he was in, in the 80s and 90s or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of, that's the thing too. I feel like while, you know, it is up to the actor to make it um you know known i think every actor has a, a set of roles that they're the best at when they perform and i think that whenever they do a dramatic performance i think it's just going to work best when it's something that kind of relates to them like for example adam sandler gives an amazing performance in funny people and i think it's because yeah. it seems like a mirror image of who adam sandler is as a person yeah, that's um, on purpose. Like, yeah, I watch, exactly. I watch that movie as this is a commentary on Sandler's career. Exactly. You know, there's differences, of course. But 100%, yeah. It's there. 100%, yeah. And he, 
you know, there's obviously differences because I don't think he's like that. He's supposed to be like one of the sweetest people in Hollywood and he plays like a complete prick in that movie. But mm. that's the thing is that it does feel like a comment like on his career. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it was just like you said, made in a vacuum. It doesn't just seem like, hey, you know, like he's, you know, this this totally different person and whatnot. It feels like that movie is creating a dramatic performance out of what people see Adam Sandler being. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I think you make a good point, though, too, where you say, like, you got to kind of give people a chance like give the actor a chance to shine in a different role give them a shot to play something different because they might not succeed and if they don't then yeah you can go okay well i just couldn't really see them in that role but i just i think it's unfair almost that some of these actors because they've done stand-up and they've done goofy comedies they never really get an opportunity to do an uncut gems because people just they can't even just sit down for a second and go, let's just see what he's like, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I think that's just one of the greatest disappointments in seeing, like, some performances like that. That so Maybe that's why movies like Rain Over Me have flown under the radar because people, you know, have dismissed his kind of dramatic performances. Um, looking at the money that some of his movies have made, the dramatic ones a lot of them don't seem to do very well. And I almost feel like it's because mm-hmm. people are like, you know, Oh, it's Adam Sandler doing a dramatic role. I, I can't see that. So yeah, you know. a lot of them have underperformed punch exactly. drunk. Love was like a loss. Exactly. And I think, um, rain over me was something like it cost 25 million to make. And it made 25.2 million. So by Hollywood math, that's a loss. That's a loss. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then it's also the thing, too. If you look at Uncut Gems on Rotten Tomatoes, critic score is 92%. Audience score is like 50, which is really upsetting because he's really giving a great performance. And people, I think, went in seeing like looking at it like, oh, this is going to be like a Adam Sandler comedy. And mm-hmm. people say in the reviews that movie is boring. You know, you can, you don't have to like Uncut Gems, but I wouldn't call it boring. Yeah, sorry there wasn't a Dunkachino song and dance. <laughs> exactly. This is one of the most stressful movies ever made. I don't know how you could say that was boring, you know? You could say it yeah. was offbeat and too weird for me, but, like, I don't think you could really say it's boring. Um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but... Yeah, that one's wrong. No. That one, that he, he, honestly, I'm glad you said it because it is wrong. It is. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't see that. I don't understand how people can can watch it and see that it's it's boring. But hey, yeah, it comes down to some of the baggage. Yeah, it comes down to some of the baggage. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I just think that um, I don't know. I I wish people would be a little bit more open minded, but um, in the end, you can't, you really just can't control how an audience member sees a movie. It's going to be based on how they watch it, how their own life has been, and what they want to see. And, you know, if, if they don't see what the filmmaker is trying to make them see, mm-hmm. it's just not going to work. Um, and yeah, I can understand like somebody like Adam Sandler, who's been in so many movies like Grown Ups and whatnot. It is kind of weird at the end of Uncut Gems where, you know, he's cheering on uh, KG to fucking win the game. It is. Yeah. I did kind of have a few. I, every time I watch that movie, I do have a moment of like, that's Adam Sandler. 
Like that's, <laughs> that's Billy Madison who's doing this, you know? Um, yeah. but it's just, it's, it's just something I wish people would, uh, would just give a chance to, yeah. um, hashtag give Sandler a chance. <laughs> Chancellor, Adam Chancellor here. Yes. Um, Chancellor Adam. I don't know. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> you tried. It's okay. Just go with it. All right. <laughs> uh, now, now when I'm on the other end, I'm like, that, oh. that was the laziest joke ever. That was lazier than any joke in, uh, I don't know. That's my boy. So there you go. <laughs> should we move on to most iconic haircuts? Yes, we should. Um, lighten the mood a little. Lighten the mood a little bit. Um, Sandler is really, we, we mentioned it before, but his look is very utilitarian most of the time. He's <laughs> baggy shirt, uh, gym shorts, giant pants. Like he's not. He doesn't flaunt that he is a multimillionaire with with a production company at no, all. No, he really doesn't. And that's the thing too. I almost wonder like he's probably richer because he doesn't like seem to spend so much money on mm. like nice flashy clothes. I mean, I don't know how much his jerseys cost, but That's um, true. I make him sound like he's some like fucking football star like holy shit like <laughs> yo his jerseys, man, but like he he doesn't look great in them. I'm not I'm not trying to be rude, but yeah. Um, no, and the same goes for his haircut. He usually just does the simple buzz cut, you know, keep it out of the eyes, probably like a two or three on the buzzer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't really experiment, but there are some great looks that exactly. he, he he dons in some of his movies. Yeah. Uh, some honorable mentions. These these two are, um, I have a hard time getting them on the list just because they are serious movies and I don't want to like... Be, I, I don't want to be too... I'm okay with being hard on Uncut Gems, which is one of the iconic haircuts, because, um, like you said, I think it works really well for the character. It's kind of slicked mm-hmm. back. It's kind of... He looks kind of greasy, kind of... Yes. Kind of, There's kind more of product dirty. in there than usual. More, more product in there than usual, yeah, and it fits with Howard Ratner. Um, but if you take a minute to look at his hair, you're like, what the fuck are you doing with your hair, buddy? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um... But we also do, I, I like I said, I don't want to be too hard on Rain Over Me, but we do have to mention that that, that wig is, is it a wig? Because it, it definitely so. looks like a wig. It's um, like Sandy, it's like Sandy Blonde or something. That's not Sandler's hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And then it's weird, too, because in the movie you see, like, a glimpse of it when it is, you know, um... This okay. This is kind of mean, but I'm just gonna call it the egghead style because that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, um, the <laughs> the classic, <laughs> the egghead style hair. It's just yeah. like yes, um, but yeah, no. It's just it's one of those things where you're like, okay, like what the fuck are you wearing, man? Like what is going on up there? It definitely distracted me from like some heavy moments in the movie where I'm like, but that wig though. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like. I know we just had a conversation about like to what <laughs> to what um, extent is it the audience members uh, you know discretion to like look at a dramatic performance and whatnot. Here's the answer though to the question of to what extent does the audience need to to um, what do you call it suspend their disbelief when looking at hair. There's no extent that they shouldn't have to suspend their disbelief. It should just look real, and that does not yeah. look real. 
you know? If you're going to, hey, man, like, we talked about this with disaster, with the disaster <laughs> I artist, I was too. just thinking that. Yeah, if you're going <laughs> to fucking wear, like, if you're going to make it look like you're wearing a Halloween costume, get ready, man. Like, we're going to we're gonna watch it and be like, you're pulling me out of this, okay? Like, mm-hmm. fuck. Um, yeah, it looks like maybe he went to go see his high, like, his daughter's um, play or something like that. And he was like, oh, shit, this is... <laughs> I need to, I need long hair and like I I know I'm not gonna grow it out so like can I, I borrow well. this can I borrow this yeah I'm like that's a woman's wig it's like it's fine it's fine we'll cut it a little yeah yeah not a great not a great wig no. at all unfortunately unfortunately no but, but some of the better know. looks one of the <laughs> by default it looks great when compared to number five which is that's my boy. Yeah, that was a weird haircut. Uh, it's not a haircut. It's also a wig. But oh. for some reason, like, I guess wig technology advanced a lot from between Rain Over Me and That's My Boy because it does look yeah. better. Really? I think I think it looks more like real hair. That's true. That's true. Um, I will say in both movies, the, the, the hair looks like it is attached to his head. Mm-hmm. You just know it isn't. You know, it's one of those. I'm pretty sure Sandler's got naturally curly hair, right? Like his hair looks pretty curly. It does, yeah. It's, it's just very. It's, it's hard to say because it's always so short, but mm-hmm. it does look like naturally curly curly hair. Like um, I think our number four, the Water Boy, that's his real hair, right? That's probably his real hair. Yep, he's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a fro going there, a little bit of like a. It's a tight little afro that he's got going, and it suits him as yeah. as a Water Boy. It's dorky, it fits, exactly. and that's why it belongs on our list. Yeah. Um. Okay. Number three. Number four, Number three. They actually say the name of the hairstyle in the movie. Yes. And it's all about hair, uh, which is you don't mess with the Zohan where he has the Avalon haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an, an afro, like a much bigger afro uh, than yeah. he does in the Waterboy in this one. But um, yeah, no. He finally Avalon upgrades is. it to the Avalon. Yeah. And I think this one belongs on the list because it really contributes to his character's uh, deep <laughs> growth in the film. <laughs> when he finally gets to be his truest self exactly. wearing the avalon it's very very important to the plot um <laughs> that we that we mention the avalon um number 2 this one you want to say it want to say it little nicky it's a, it's a greasy gross thing but it suits the character as well sure that's what sets apart if that (laughs) helps you sleep at night then yes it it definitely suits the character it looks like it was gelled (laughs) down yeah what a weird choice i know right i've seen people do that where they they look like their hair has been gelled down it is weird (laughs) it's like why you're supposed to gel it up yeah, it's to hold it up, not to just like make a stiff peak in front of your face. Yeah, and it looks like it looks like it would hurt. Like it looks mm-hmm. like if you need if you never need to like move it, it looks like it would fucking hurt. Yeah, it might crumble. Yeah, it might snap. You know, <laughs> like hey, let me move the hair out of my eyes. Ah, like just <laughs> painful. So yeah, little Nikki des- deserves number two on this list. But a uh, hellish haircut for a hellish character. Exactly. But number one is probably this. Honestly, I think it's the best looking out of all of them. Which is, well, <laughs> I think we were a little bit nice when we gave this uh, him his most iconic haircuts. But um, mm-hmm. the wedding singer, yes, the eighties 
kind of Kurt Russell style mullet, um, <laughs> but it's curly because it's Sandler. I I like it, and there's a bit of a reference to it in Click, which I appreciated in the flashback. He's also oh, got yeah. the the wedding singer hair. That's I right. don't know if it's a wig or not. If it is, it's a pretty good wig for the '90s. Yeah, I feel like it probably is a wig, but who really knows? I mean, I I, I think we I don't know if I mentioned this when we were talking about his strengths and weaknesses as a performer, but he's a very committed actor, and mm-hmm. um. I think that, you know, I, I, I could see him growing out his hair if he if he ever needed to. I feel like he would, you know? Yeah. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's like, no, nah, I need a wig. Like, I feel like he's very committed to all of his stuff. He, so. go, he always goes full Sandler, whether that's a good or bad thing. Exactly. He never that's, hesitates. It's very, very noble of him. Um, now let's get into some of his most annoying voices. God. Which, uh, yeah, not something that I am looking forward to but that's fine um uncut gems uh like we said i feel like that also suits the character really well it adds Uh, to the movie yeah exactly because the character is kind of annoying i mean like i know people have said like oh man like i could see myself hanging out with him and i think that that goes to like the likability of Mm -hmm. howard ratner in that movie but I I don't really see myself hanging out with that guy. I feel like he'd get on my fucking nerves, you know? Yeah, agreed. Like, I'd be like, you are just ruining your life, buddy. Yeah. Like, you've got a family. You're going to ruin Idina Menzel's life. Like, just please. I don't even have the money to gamble with you. And if you have no (laughs) other hobby, my friend, that's... (laughs) That's it. <laughs> oh my god, exactly. Um, you didn't see the week of. I saw the first half of it. Um, his voice, it's not the most annoying, but it's just kind of irritating. Like, it's kind of like, mm. it sounds like he's doing a voice and you're like, can you just shut up, please? It's like, not hard just... to believe. No, not at all. Um, you, uh, neither of us saw this movie, uh, Sandy Wexler. Yeah, I was on um, my list and I was, I... I skipped it. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that we agreed. We were like, okay, we'll watch I'll watch two Netflix originals, you'll watch two Netflix originals. I'm sorry. And then you well no, I, I mean I don't blame you. I mean I saw the trailer and I was like, I don't want to watch that. Um, You've got a better uh span of patience for Sandler than me. I think that much is proven. You're a stronger host. <laughs> you know, I, I think what it is is just after a while you gotta just kinda learn to love it, you know? Um, right i'm still learning (laughs) you gotta wake up early in the morning when you got all the willpower in you to sit through one of those movies but um that movie sandy wexler is also about two hours and 10 minutes long so no that's not happening yeah exactly um next one is billy madison one of his better movies um the gibberish (sighs) the gibberish is really irritating in this movie i gotta be honest um, even if it is funny, you, you have to admit that if you had to listen to it for more than it is in this movie, you would want mm-hmm. to shoot yourself. And then just the overall, like the, um, oh, it's too hot for a penguin to be walking around or however he does his voice. I can't even do it. Um, yeah, it's, maybe that's it works thing. for like an SNL sketch, but for, for a whole movie, it does get annoying. Oh yeah. I'm glad that he kind of drops it, though, after, like, the first mm-hmm. 20 or 30 minutes. He kind of starts to mature and drops the voice, and that's that's very nice. Um, but, yeah. Much appreciated. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> Thank you, Adam Sandler, for not doing that the whole movie. Um, then we've got Eight Crazy Nights. Um, 
Whitey Duval, I believe is the character's name. Extremely irritating. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Ugh. I just, uh, I don't even know what we can say about this. It's just. I mean, he had to turn it up for like an animated movie, I guess. So exactly. I get it. But also like, I don't want to, like same reason I wouldn't listen to a car alarm for 90 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. This one, I, I don't think it's that annoying. I think it actually works really well. But Hotel Transylvania, like, look, if you had to, if you had to listen to this, like, look there's three hotel transylvania movies i'm not gonna do a binge of all three in one go um in one day because of adam sandler's voice it's just it's too much Mm -hmm. yeah Alrighty. number five you don't mess with the zohan that accent got real old real quick. Oh, yes. Really did. Because it's just... <sighs> it's uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable, there's, yeah. there's only so many, like, jokes you can do that are like, he says things funny. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like... I can't even understand what he's saying in some parts because it's so thick. And I'm like, I, come on, man. Like, can we, can we just... Can we lighten it up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is the excited southerner. And... Uh, that was that well it was the what was created because of the excited southerner that happened on what the hell happened to me but that is uh the water boy yeah um, this one annoyed yeah. the hell out of me like ah <laughs> uh, i just couldn't listen to it for a whole movie again it's one of those where like it works for an snl bit but wow for a whole movie to to hold yeah. that voice yeah there's a there's a big difference between 5 minutes and 90 minutes um mm-hmm. and uh Honestly, five minutes of this would probably start to irritate me around the three or four minute mark. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry that you had to sit through the water boy because that just sounds like torture, you know? <laughs> Rather be waterboarded, you know? Because <laughs> at least that's like a new experience for me. At least that's, that's something that's something different, you know? Yeah. Not something where it's like, you know, oh, I've heard this like before and now I'm starting to get irritated. At least waterboarding is you're like, oh, like this is new, you know? Yeah. Waterboying actually is (laughs) prohibited by the Geneva Conventions. You're not allowed to show your prisoners waterboy. That's too much. That honestly, they're lucky. They're really lucky. They like Um, that. I'd love to see that though on like a zero dark thirty, like or something like that. <laughs> Water boy. Like, I'll never taken. tell you. I'll never tell you anything. <laughs> it's like, hey, get the DVD for the Water Boy, and it's like, okay, fuck, you got me. Look, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three is that's my boy. That's just, oh man, fucking car alarm, man. Just car alarm. Yeah. Another car alarm voice, right here. It. Does this even work for a five-minute sketch? No. <laughs> it's almost like he's doing an impression of himself. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. And it's too much. Yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like he's, like... The further, the more he does impressions of himself, the more annoying it gets. Yeah. Um, okay, number two, Little Nicky. That is... Uh, obnoxious as hell it it really is the water boy turned up to like 11 it really is yeah and it's just it feels like louder it feels like 
with the, how that's my boy is an impression of himself. It feels like little Nikki is a little kid trying to do an impression of himself mm, and failing. Yeah. It's just like, Oh my God. And then number one is Jack and Jill, which do we I even, mean, it sounds, it sounds as Jill, especially he sounds like a car, like not, not even a car alarm. He sounds like an Amber alert, like, <laughs> <laughs> like wakes you up out of your sleep and you're scared and stressed. Yeah. Like, but did you the know bombs what? drop? Yeah, but you know what? Honestly, um, you know how those assholes complained about an Amber Alert like months ago, or I think it was like last year or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, if they complained about Jill and that was the sound of the Amber Alert, I actually would kind of be like, you know what? I get it. I get that yeah. you're annoyed. You know, um, <laughs> turn it down. Okay. Now we are getting into our final list, um, which we're very excited for. We're gonna yes. count down. Uh, just like we did on the Disaster Artist episode, Greg's three least favorite um, Adam Sandler movies, as well as my three least favorite Adam Sandler movies. But because we're also talking about his great performances, we're also going to count down Greg's three best performances and my three best performances or movies, however you want to call it. Yeah. So, yeah. You want to start with the honorable mentions for the worst um, honorable mentions for his worst movies. Grown Ups, of course. Pixels, That's My Boy. You Don't Mess With the Zohan, which, like I said, guilty pleasure, but nonetheless, one of his worst. Oh, yeah. The Do-Over. Yeah. The Do-Over is, like, insanely bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now my, my actual top three worst, it's gotta be Little Nicky, <laughs> number three. Uh, unwatchable. Really just is. go with it. Yeah. Uh, that one, I know Matt Matt just goes with it a lot, but <laughs> I I can't enjoy it. It does feel like his most like excuse to go on vacation kind yeah. of movie. You know who uh, I actually maybe forgot? I'm too cynical. Maybe oh yeah, yeah. No. You're you're not cynical at all. You know who I actually forgot is in Just Go With It is um Dave Nicole Matthews Kidman? and Nicole Kidman, oh. yeah. Yes. Which is uh, just another shame that she's in that movie. But uh, She's awesome. <laughs> she is. Um, yeah. But yeah, still doesn't doesn't even, it, it belongs in my top three worst. And then number one, Jack and Jill, like that's that's a travesty, <laughs> you know? I, I would be fine just wiping that from my memory, but then I might accidentally watch it again. So actually I'm going to hold on to the, my knowledge that it's bad. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I think it's nice to be able to say, like, I watched Jack and Jill, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they should give out shirts. They should say, like, I watched Jack and Jill and all I got was this stupid fucking t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and all I got was a cup of Dunkachino. <laughs> you, honestly, you're saying Dunkachino so much, I'm starting to wonder if you actually want to try it. <laughs> I'd try it. <laughs> I would, honestly, too. Um, already. My three worst are number three, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Um, You know, as a kid, I think I thought this was funny, but it's mainly just the fact that this movie is trying to have a positive message about not judging other people. Mm -hmm. And it's doing it in such a horrible way by just making jokes about the people they're trying to help. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just stupid. Um, Grown Ups 2 is my number two spot. You know, I actually didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I was going to. Okay. Then again, it's still a sack of shit. So I have to acknowledge that and 
Taylor Lautner's in this movie too, so that just adds another point there. There you go. Ooh, um, shots fired. Yeah. And then number one is The Ridiculous Six. I think this is the worst Adam Sandler movie, and you know why? I'm going to explain. I'm going to give you three reasons why this movie is worse than Jack and Jill. All right? One, Jack and Jill is at least 90 minutes long. This is That's two hours. Okay. So you save a half an hour of your life uh, <laughs> when you watch Jack and Jill. Hmm. Um, two, um, Jack and Jill has Katie Holmes who's super attractive. There are no attractive women in this movie. You know, there's maybe one, but I I know that's kind of a shallow thing to say, but like, but I mean, still like it makes it easier. goes against the movie against Jack and Jill or against ridiculous six. Yeah. There's no, there's nobody that, who am I going to look at Rob Schneider and be like, Oh yeah, he's cute. No, like give me a break. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's the ridiculous six. And my third reason of why this movie is terrible is because it's like what we said with Night and Day. It's forgettable, and it's so lame, and it's just not funny. But at least Jack and Jill is like you hate it, and you can justify why you hate it. This was just a waste of my fucking time, you know? It's not like I think, you know, Jack and Jill is like more easy to shit on. That's it's why more memorable. I, exactly. That's why I hate the ridiculous six so much. Is because it's like I can't even like quite justify it, you right. know. And that makes me mad. Alrighty. I don't want to be in a bad mood uh, ending this episode. So let's get into the positive. Do you want to take the honorable mentions? We got Adam Sandler, hundred percent fresh. I um, love that. Yeah, this Made one me tear up. Right? It absolutely did. And it, and it did the same for me, especially the Chris Farley song. Um, mm. And this one is very, like, although the only reason this isn't on your best list is because we kind of decided that this isn't really, like, not really, like, an Adam Sandler movie. Um, no, it's a different category. Different category, but it's still definitely worth being an honorable mention because it is super enjoyable. Yeah, it would definitely be in my top three Adam Sandler projects, but not movies. Hundred percent. I could definitely, I can definitely support that and get behind that. Um, next, we got Billy Madison. Um, it's the one that really put him on the map, and it's yeah. just to this it's day, a classic. It's a fun, yeah, it's classic. It's fun. It's just, it's, it's easy. Next, we got Fifty First Dates, which you know. Not his best movie, but it's solid. And it's better in my memory than it was rewatching it. And yeah. I think it deserves some credit for that. It hasn't aged the best. Thinking about the movie since I've rewatched it, I've actually been pretty like pleasantly able to think about it. Um So it's like, good in retrospect. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's not like bedtime stories where it's like I'm like Eh, the more I think about it, this one I'm like, no, you know what? I actually I dig that. I think it had really good ideas. Um, some bad, but mostly good ideas. Great chemistry and just like a sweet, sweet message. Hundred percent, and that's what I like about this movie. Um, and then our last honorable mention is Big Daddy, just because it's a sweet movie and people should stop shitting on it so much. Yeah, like we've harped about yeah. it enough. Like we we both like this movie. It's. It's a solid Sandler flick. It doesn't deserve the hate or the Razzie. Alrighty. Uh, you want to get into your three best 
Yes. So my three best Adam Sandler movies are as follows. Number three, Funny People. I it's not perfect, but I do I do love the idea of the first half of the film where Sandler is this older comedian who thinks he's gonna die and he wants to send the elevator back down to someone younger. Mm-hmm. I really like the that that story thread a lot. And I think it's interesting too as kind of a meta commentary on Sandler's career, even though again it doesn't reflect him in real life because he's so unlikable. Yeah. Um but there's some cool ideas there that that I can get behind. Um number two, the wedding singer. As mentioned before, oh, the yeah. best Adam Sandler hair. <laughs> his his probably his most charismatic uh romantic storyline, I would say. He's super likable. Like oh, I yeah. always remember I always remember the scene where he's helping like the drunk kid at his bar uh, at the bar mitzvah that he's he's playing at. Like that's yeah. just he's so likable. He's just a really good guy in that movie. There's oh, nothing yeah. to he's, hate about he's him. He's super likable in this movie and it's 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 very sweet. Um mm-hmm. yeah. And then Punch Drunk Love. I guess there's a bit of a theme here. I like the the Sandler romances a lot. I think Punch Drunk Love's just beautiful at framing him as like this pathetic, anxious person who kind of finds his power in a significant other. And it's it's PTA. I mean, he's he's one of the all time greats. Yeah. And so this is one I always go back to because it's just it's just a beautiful watch and a great oh, yeah. cast all around. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. We got a new TV not too long ago. I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but the first movie I watched on it was Punch Drunk Love, and it looks absolutely gorgeous, all the Mm. colors and whatnot. That scene in the car where he's driving with Emily Watson especially, it's just, it's beautiful to watch. Um, uh, And I think also this movie is probably responsible for Adam Sandler's, you know, ability to do dramatic work because maybe, maybe PTA actually helped Adam Sandler discover a couple things about himself by making this movie. Which mm. I think is really special. That's true. Um, my third best is the Myra Witt stories, new and selected. Um, this one I thought was really good. I, I just the opening scene of him driving around in a car with his uh, <laughs> with his sister. There's a theme here with him driving. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he he's just so likable in this movie, and yeah, he plays the character really, really well here. He's got great chemistry with Dustin Hoffman, great chemistry with Ben Stiller. Um, and I hope he does another collaboration with Noah Baumbach in the future because they seem to work well together. And Agreed. I love Noah Baumbach. And maybe, hey, maybe the next movie that Noah Baumbach does, maybe that will get some awards consideration as well. Maybe mm-hmm. Adam Sandler will be in it. And maybe he'll get the Oscar nod that he should have gotten for Uncut Gems. Um, going into number two, number two, this one, this one was hard for me, um, because number I'm, two is surprised. Yeah. Number two is uncut gems. And I'm just going to say this. This is my favorite movie that Adam Sandler has been in. Um, right. this is my favorite. I think this is his best performance that he's ever given. It's a movie that I love. I even said that this could be my favorite movie ever, uh, in the previous episode because I love mm. this movie so much, but. The thing, the only reason that I put this as number two is because I feel like it would be kind of an insult to be like, hey, like his best movie is one that he had nothing to do with the writing of or anything like that, you know? Right. Um, so, That's fair. Yeah. Um, but this one, and this one isn't even a comedy, you know? Like, I feel like um, 
all of his like some of his other dramatic works are like you know comedic in nature so he brings more of his adam sandlerness to the the foreground of that like punch drunk love is such a good first choice because he's he's doing drama he's doing his dramatic work but he's also doing his comedy which is really really well like done mm-hmm. in that movie and I, I think he really shows his his adam sandlerness in it i feel like this uncut gems he's so far away from being uh adam sandler while using his talent uh to the best of its ability um well said but, every time we talk about uncut gems i feel like i'm like yeah damn <laughs> there's a lot to it you know there's a lot of uh a lot of stuff in that movie that you can unpack and it's uh it's a good watch but um yeah my number one adam sandler movie though is one that helped put him on the map and it's one that i think it's his funniest movie it's his best comedy out of all the ones that he's done and um i think that if people like adam sandler movies um and his comedies this is usually the one that they like either the most or one of the most Mm -hmm. um and that is happy gilmore um i'm pretty sure for a period of time this was probably my favorite movie because i just i love this movie i think it's so funny um, and I'll continue to rewatch this because this one actually holds up really well compared to some of his other movies. That's um, true. Yeah. Great comedic performance in this. And this shows off all of his talent at uh, being a comedian. But it also does have some heart to it. Um, you know, he's known as being an angry guy in movies. I feel like Happy Gilmore actually kind of takes that and like not spins it on its head, but like makes it a part of the character. Instead right. of just a throwaway gag. And then it actually has a nice arc with him trying to improve and be a better mm-hmm. person instead of being angry all the time. So that's um, that's something that I enjoyed quite a bit. About Great this list. Great list. Yeah. Yours too. Thank you. Ooh. All of our collective lists. I think together we've kind of very well summed up all the notable things about Sandler and his movies whether that's his performance, his his uh, the the movies from his production company, or movies that he's taken part in with another creator, there's a lot to love mm. about the guy. There is. I'm rooting yeah. for him. Oh yes, I'm rooting for him uh, going forward. That maybe he, maybe it's just time for a change of gears with Adam Sandler. You know, because we definitely see that he is a talented guy, and he can be funny in movies. I mean, the Meyerowitz is a drama but it's also a comedy so yeah he does do a good job with comedy and maybe that's just all it is maybe he just needs to i don't know maybe maybe bring in a different director to happy madison studios maybe that could be something going forward maybe he should try his hand at directing or maybe some more animated work and maybe that could be something good that he does as well he's had a lot of success with hotel transylvania and he's had a lot of success in the dramatic world so yeah, and he's got a great voice for animation. He's got a great energy for drama. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot he can do. Absolutely. I know a lot of people think that his career has fallen apart, but honestly, he's still got a lot of career left in him, and he's got a lot of money, too, so he can fund whatever the hell he wants, pretty much. Yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him collaborate with more people because, you know, if... <laughs> Look, Adam Sandler, if you're listening to this by any uh, stretch of the imagination, I don't know why you would. You're probably working on, you know, Grown Ups 3 or something like that. But (laughs) um, look, you're a funny dude. And honestly, just keep doing your thing if that makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, you got to do that. 
this is a hard business for a lot of people to do. And if they're happy doing what they're doing, I think that that's the main thing. But um, you can do more than just what you continue to do. And not that that's a bad thing that you continue to do comedies, but yeah, you can do drama and you can do whatever you set your mind to really. So, you know, we'll root do, for you either way. We'll root for you either way. And I, I personally would like to beat the shit out of the person who gave uh, him the Razzie for Big Daddy because that actually pisses me off. Um, <laughs> undeserved. Undeserved, but I'm rooting for you. I know, Greg, you're rooting for him too. And uh, mm. I think that's the best way to end off this episode. That about does it for our third and final installment in the Adam Sandler trilogy. Be sure to check us out at halconmedia.com. You'll find the links to our Instagram our Twitter, our YouTube, everywhere you can find us, you can find us there. We're also on Spotify, Podbean, and be sure to follow our Instagram at Greg and Matt Movie Chat for updates, quizzes, all kinds of interaction there. Till next time. <laughs>